but what is a pope without his city? Just a piece of asparagus in the wasteland. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, oh my god. It's biblical. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's dive into this. <clears throat> Rolling? Yep. Uh, welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we... <laughs> Jesus, sorry. Mm-hmm. It's the morning, and I have morning voice, which means my voice will be cracking more than usual. Good. But anyway, welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. <laughs> We hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So James, who do we have this week? Joseph McCarthy and Pope John the Twelfth. Mmm, what a pair. Like cheese and crackers, peas and carrots coffee and donuts, carrots and cake, beer with ice, a car with rectangle wheels, a giraffe with a turtleneck. Uh, are you high again? Uh, just ready. Ready! Ready for a kick-ass episode to the History Lab! terrible pope and a terrible politician and their quest to out-terrible one another. Herein lies the story of Pope John Twelfth and Joseph McCarthy, one with a word made up after his name and the other with a terrible habit of getting Rome attacked. If we're just looking at the surface, only one of these is clearly worse than the other. But will the details change our view on such matters? Let's find out. <sighs> so James, choose. You have to get a tattoo on your bicep, and it has to be a person, and that person has to be controversial. Who do you choose? Me. (laughs) You? I would get my own face on my own bicep. Why? Hell, both biceps and triceps. And when you flex, what happens? You get fatter? No, my mouth opens (laughs) and just spills out profanity. Oh, beautiful. Yep, Yep, so my biceps speak. That's basically the podcast. Mm, this is true. actually James's biceps right now. <laughs> uh, what would you do? Oh my god. Uh, mm. Who would you do? It I seems do. seems obvious. Well, I don't know. Probably, you know. Computer, bring up Joseph McCarthy and Pope John the Twelfth. Affirmative, my lord. Yeah, I would have Joseph McCarthy on my bicep, mm. and every time I flexed, uh, he would yell communism. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, good choice. It wouldn't be a tattoo. It would be actually the face of Joseph McCarthy on my bicep. Wow. Communism! See? Just did it. It's actually already there. (laughs) It sounded like him. But uh, I bet you're wondering what Joseph McCarthy is best known for. I am wondering. So tell me, what is he best known for? He is best known for uh, terming, coining the term McCarthyism, which is pretty terrible, actually. Uh, Yeah. Hmm. But let me tell you what he looks like, because that's the fun part. Hmm. Uh, He looks like that shitty teacher you had in high school. Like, you know, the only male teacher on your class schedule. Mm. And maybe the only one in the school and you know was like a major douche <laughs> looks like he's trying to figure out what's wrong with you even though you're perfect just the way you are listeners mm, he has large ears 
<laughs> That's it. That's it. Okay. Uh, so uh, tell us about Pope John the Twelfth. What was he best known for? Pope John the Twelfth is best known for being everything that a good pope should not be. Oh, oh, oh shit! Yes. Not be. This should be interesting. Okay. Yes. One so, of the bad popes. Uh, what did he look like? Well, he looks like what you would get if you crossed a Jesus with a potato. Okay. <laughs> a good amount of algae ah. and a whole lot of sin. Oh, so basically pickles. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. That's good to know. <laughs> ah, well, I say we just move right into Joseph McCarthy's early life. Let's do it. Okay. So, Joseph Raymond McCarthy began his life by being pulled from the ground by a band of orcs. Oh. He was what? trained, slapped across the face with the white hand of Saruman, and sent to capture the halflings in the um. Ring of Power. Uh, unfortunately, he was beheaded in battle. Oh. But the good news is that he was reincarnated as a human on our planet, coincidentally called Joseph Raymond McCarthy. I'm so confused. <laughs> he was learned. Find the halflings <laughs> and the communists. <laughs> Find the communists. What if what if that's the secret to the Lord of the Rings? What? It's just a communist propaganda story. Oh. Let, let's look into this real quick. And Joseph um, McCarthy say, okay, so he's obviously anti-communist. Yeah, right. So does that make the, the fellowship communist? Exactly. Brilliant. No yeah. wonder they're called the fellowship. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, and Mordor is definitely the Soviet Union. Okay. Uh, Moscow, mm -hmm. for sure. Yes. Uh, what are the Nazgul? The KGB. Uh, I was going to say T-34 <laughs> tanks. Oh, okay. Either one. <laughs> well, if I remember correctly, T-34 tanks were, like, worth, I don't know, a quarter of a Nazgul. I could see a Nazgul on a Felbeast taking out, like, four T-34s. It'd be a good fight. Yeah, it, yeah. Would, it would be a good fight. But anyway, jokes aside, <clears throat> let's begin. That was in a joke. <laughs> It was a joke. No. Uh, in 1908, McCarthy came into this world as the fifth of seven children. Hmm. Being somewhat on the lower end of middle childism, McCarthy kept his head down. Throughout his childhood, he helped his parents run their farm, and he went to school until the age of 14, but left because he, uh, because the farm needed, uh, more help and, mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so six years later, when he was 20, he went to high school again and graduated in a year. I don't know if that what? means he took wow. the GED or whatever, <laughs> but... I can't, so is this guy smart? Or... Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of... Uh, he thinks he's smart. Okay, well, he, that's He's got them all figured out. Yep, he's <laughs> the only one who knows. But anyway, from 1930 to 1935, he went to Marquette University in oh. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Woo! Shout out to our fans in Milwaukee. We love that city. Oh, yes, we love that city. Anyway, he left with a Bachelor of Laws, getting work at a law firm also in Wisconsin. Nice. Yes, and he began his political career by failing to become district attorney as a Democrat in 1936. As a Democrat? Yeah, as a Democrat. Ooh, that's important. Okay. At this time, he was earning money at a law firm uh, that was employing him, and he was also winning lots of money by gambling. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, makes sense. Um, hmm. That's the most not-communist tactic, or I suppose, or thing you could do. But a very democratic thing to and do. And yet a democratic thing to do. Yes. Anyway, in 1939, McCarthy was elected a circuit judge, hmm. becoming the youngest in Wisconsin's history. Cool. Uh, he did this by literally lying about the incumbent's judge, Edgar Werner. Ah. Why did I say Werner? Werner. <laughs> Playing too much Company of Heroes. <laughs> uh, it comes to judge Edgar Werner, and he lied about his age, saying that Werner was 73, oh. not 66, which he actually was. Mm. Uh, of course, there are other reasons Edgar Werner lost, uh, the big one being that he was just terribly inefficient and had a giant backlog of cases that hmm. he hadn't gone through. Uh, it might be good to... I mean, I get the strategy. He's really old, but, you know, 66 is is pretty old for a circuit judge at the time. I, I don't know. It's the same thing my girlfriend told me. Uh, She's like, I'm not 73. <laughs> and I believed her. Oh, no. Turned out she was. Oh, 73 and a half, no less, I'm sure. Anyway, so McCarthy just blew through these cases when he got the seat. 
uh, but this worried a lot of people because he was just kind of going too fast. They were so used to this, you know, sluggish old guy. <laughs> um, but anyway, he had a lot to catch up on, and um, that's where we're going to stop, though. Okay. Because he's currently a circuit judge, and, um, you know, right now things sound kind of not weird, but just wait. Just you wait. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, so I say we move over to Pope John XII's early life. Okay. It's not quite as interesting. Okay. But... Let's dive into it. As long as he wasn't pulled out of Mordor or Isengard or whatever. <sighs> well, we don't really know. Okay. So. so, little Johnny was born either in the year 1930 or 1930. <laughs> well, Off to a good start. <laughs> 930. 930. Or 937. Okay. So, yeah, 930 or 937. And uh, why was it 930 or 937? Well, here's the thing. Okay. We no, we know who his father was, but we don't know who his mommy was. Oh, yes. His father... <laughs> mommy. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. His father was Alberic II of Spoleto, who was ruler of Rome for like 20 years and liked to call himself the Prince of Rome. <laughs> he also married his stepsister. Ah, uh, oh. And had a concubine. Of course, of mm. course. I mean, I get that. It's the true Roman way. Yes, it is. Yes. Mm. Uh, so John could have been born to either of these women, but we have no idea which. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. He was either, yeah. Okay. okay. So, growing up, John, who was at this time called Octavianus, but wow. we're just going to stick with John because changing names is confusing. Okay. So, John joined the church under his father's guidance. All right. Yes. Then his dad, Alberic, made a decree that John should inherit the papal chair upon Alberic's death. Okay. So, when Alberic died a few years later, John was named Princeps of the Romans, which uh. roughly translates to... First in time of order, the first, the foremost, chief, the most eminent, distinguished, noble, the first man. What? Are you making that up? <laughs> no. I'm oh not. my god, that's amazing. <laughs> the <Yeah>. first man. <laughs> yeah. Take that, Ken Ham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, checkmate. Uh, basically, this title means that this dude is important and he's going to be Pope after the current Pope is All dead. All right. Okay. The current Pope was Pope. Oh, God. Agapetus II. Okay, nice job. Thank you. When Agapetus died in the year 955, John became the new pope and changed his name to, from Octavianus to John XII. But I've been calling him John all along because I am a lazy fuck. And you don't want to confuse our audience. Right, that's, that's true. It's John the whole time. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, the point now is that John is pope, and he was probably only 18 years old. Ha! Huh, that mm. seems a little young for yes. popery. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But we'll see how that goes. Well, I think that's a great start, but I think we need to take a quick break before we, uh, before we dive into their adult life so when we come back we'll be talking about joseph mccarthy's adult life and get ready it is a doozy <laughs> and we are back to we talk about dead people yeah stop <laughs> i was hoping you would sing along with me honestly well i'm not in the mood okay it is a little early you know 9 30 <laughs> Okay, fine. Okay. We are back to we talk about dead people. Uh, well done. And now I feel, I feel more enthused for this. Now that we are enthused we enough. Are fully enthused. So tell me about Joseph McCarthy's adult life. Uh, just like that, we're just going to jump right in. Can't chill Sorry, out a little bit. a little bit. abrupt. No. No. Okay. Preemptive you know, strike. You know what? Forget it. You started it. So you know what? We're going to just talk about Joseph McCarthy's adult fine. life. Fine. Mm -hmm. So when we left old Joe, he was serving as a circuit judge in Wisconsin. But guess what, James? What? It's that time again. What time? Time for World War II. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's been going on for three years, but it's 1942, and McCarthy joins the Marines. Mm. And this is interesting because his role in the judiciary branch actually exempted him from service. Hmm. 
Uh, but it turns out he just really wanted to fight, and he entered the Marines as a first lieutenant. What an American. And uh, here's the fun part. Apparently, he joined the Marines mainly because he thought it would boost his political career on the advisement of his campaign manager. Hmm. He's not wrong. Yeah, so he wanted to join the Navy, I think. Okay. I think it was the Navy. And um, th- his campaign manager was like, Heroes go to the Marines. <laughs> and he was like, okay. And <laughs> <laughs> he did. So he, uh, he went to the Solomon Isles. Oh. Right? And he served as uh, with military intelligence. Wow. Uh, but while he was there, he volunteered as a tail gunner for 12 combat oh, missions. Wow, that's and, a lot. Yeah, so this is where he got the nickname Tail Gunner Joe. <laughs> Uh, but a lot of people actually think he just started calling himself that. <laughs> so he didn't like pick it up on him. Oh, Tail Gunner Joe just shot down another Japanese plane. It's I'm Tail Gunner Joe. Look at me. Uh, but whatever the case, he worked his way up to major in the Marine Corps Reserve after the war. Wow. Uh, but apparently throughout the whole war, he flew something like 32 missions, which hmm. is required just what is required to earn the Distinguished Flying Cross. Ah. Uh, but of course, this was a lie. Oh, dear. Yeah. The Marine Corps actually approved for his receipt of the cross in 1952 because he was becoming a big political figure and well yeah <laughs> wait so, uh, so you're telling me the military concedes to the government like, yeah i mean no no uh, of course not James. no come on hmm. no um but anyway yeah they gave it to him without actually confirming that he flew all 32 missions or whatever uh, they're just like oh he, can, he was a marine so there you go. <laughs> um so anyway he also started showing off this re- letter of recommendation uh which he said was written and signed by chester nimitz Whoa. Um, but joe's own commander blew this story out of the water uh he said that joe had written the letter himself and essentially tricked <laughs> nimitz into signing it. oh gosh <laughs> the way it worked was and this is what i'm envisioning but they said nimitz had this whole stack of things he was supposed to sign and joe just kind of slipped his thing in there <laughs> oh, but i like to imagine that Nimitz was like walking out on a red carpet and Joe was like, Nimitz! (laughs) Uh, So anyway, uh, during the war, Joe had also broken his leg, uh, which he claimed was caused by a plane crash, anti-aircraft gunfire, another plane crash, and uh, another plane crash. (laughs) He made up a lot of stories, uh, but the true story is that he broke it while celebrating crossing the equator for the first time. (laughs) Which is a thing, apparently, that Marines and maybe the Navy do when they cross the equator. They have a big party. That makes sense. I, I've yeah. heard that. Yeah. Um, they carry people around on their shoulders, and it's oh, not quite anti-aircraft fire. <laughs> I was just picturing him, like, leaping across the equator and <laughs> just landing on his legs like, I've mixed! Oh! oh, my God! <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what happened. Okay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so in 1944, while still on active duty, McCarthy campaigned for the Wisconsin Senate. But he was beaten. Mm. And after the war was over, he took back his old job at the circuit court. And in 1946, he ran for a seat on the U.S. Senate and attacked his opponent for not enlisting in the war. Which is weird uh. because La Follette, the guy who was he was running against, was uh, actually 46 when oh. Pearl Harbor was bombed, making it pretty unlikely that he would be allowed to enlist anyway. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, McCarthy also accused La Follette of essentially being a war profiteer, while old Tail Gunner Joe was off fighting in the war. Hmm. Uh, of course, McCarthy had also profited over half a million dollars in today's money by investing during the war, but that never came up. No. Uh, no. Anyway, this political smearing won Joe the election, and he took his place in Congress. Hilariously enough, his political tagline was, Congress needs a tail gunner! Uh, which you know is what? both dishonest and arrogant as fuck. It is. <laughs> uh, were you going to say something? No. Just oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, also Congress needs a lot more than a tail gunner, just saying. Oh, that's true. So uh, McCarthy's on the Senate, <clears throat> and he spends three years just making speeches. 
That's about it. Uh, he was popular at parties, but his fellow senators didn't really like him that much. Uh, an odd story from this time uh, in the Senate is when he lobbied for the commutation of death sentences given to a bunch of SS soldiers who killed a whole slew of American POWs, oh. which means he was basically like, don't kill them. Oh. Uh-huh. He claimed that these SS soldiers had been forced to confess under torture by American soldiers, but uh, he didn't actually have any evidence of this. Come on. Uh, and this got him voted the worst U.S. senator in office by the Senate <laughs> press corps. <laughs> Sounds like this guy needs a plan to get back on, on top. Uh, oh, believe me, he has a plan. Oh, it wasn't over for Senator McCarthy. No, sir. Yeah, and it was about to get weird, too. Oh, no. Yep. So McCarthy is invited to speak at the Republican Women's Club in Wheeling, West Virginia. Uh, I thought he was... Is he a Republican now? He is now a Republican. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the old flip-flop. So anyway, he's at this He's at this uh, Republican women's club in West Virginia, and he gives this speech, and it's riveting. And there's actually no audio recording of this speech, but witnesses claim that he suddenly claimed that he had a physical list in his hands oh, of all the communists he not only suspected, but fucking knew to be working in the State Department. God damn. Uh, quote, the State Department is infested with communists. I have here in my hand a list of 205, a list of names that were made known to the Secretary of State as being members of the Communist Party, who nevertheless are still working and shaping policy in the State Department. How are they in our government? Yeah, there's 205 of them, too, apparently. Wow. Uh, but, you know, this shouldn't matter much, right? right. He's just, just There's just the ravings of a madman. Well, yeah, he's <laughs> been lying about all No, these... no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> this, Amer- this is America in the 1950s, oh. and uh, the communists could be hiding... Anywhere, by God. So, the American public hears this and starts freaking out. They just couldn't believe that he has a list of 205 Hmm. names. How he got it, they don't know. And to abate the fear of the public, the government goes in and investigates every one of the people on the list. And uh, pretty much clears all of them of being communists. <laughs> yeah, well, so uh, hilariously, old tail gunner Joe just kept changing his figures. Oh so as the investigation went on, it went from 205 to 57, back up to 81. Oh. Uh, he presented an analysis of the 81, calling them loyalty risks. Mm. And these 81 came from a list compiled by an FBI agent named fucking Robert E. Lee. <laughs> Was it? His name was Robert E. Lee. Was it the Robert E. Lee? No, it was oh. a guy named after Robert E. Lee, which uh, seems like a bad choice post-Civil War. Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah, but everyone loves Robert E. Lee. Even Northerners love Robert E. Lee. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Mm. The further north you go, the less Lee there is. Mm. Mm. That's my motto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this list was literally just a bunch of people who were, quote, inefficient. Oh, uh, and that's that's what Robert E. Lee said. These are just inefficient people in the government. Nothing to do with communism. Uh, nothing at all. <laughs> except for communism um, except is that inefficient. Ma- yeah, except that McCarthyism <laughs> saw this inefficient label and um, basically said... Clearly. Yeah. When he was asked where he got this list, <laughs> he said it was a secret. <laughs> and he had, quote, penetrated the iron curtain of the State Department's secrecy with the help of some good, loyal Americans. I love his sentences. They're so beautiful and American. He's like a... He's like the mascot of America. Yeah. <laughs> that's sad. Uh, that's yeah. That's actually not the worst one we could have picked, though. True. True. Uh, so anyway, the Senate sto- uh, the Senate votes to start investigating all of this shit, hmm. and this is when McCarthy modifies his list uh, during the hearings to uh, which these are. This hearing is called the Tidings Committee. Okay. Uh, but he modifies the shit out of them hmm. from two hundred and five. To just nine. <laughs> and some of them no longer worked at oh the my State God. Department. And most of them had never fucking worked there at all. 
<laughs> there was no one guy named Owen Lattimore who McCarthy described as a, quote, top Russian spy. Okay. And Lattimore was actually out in the Far East at this time, but they brought him home mm. uh, for him to testify on his own behalf. And uh, some of the craziest shit I've ever heard comes oh, out of no. this. McCarthy's best witness was a guy named Carl Whitfogel. Okay. And Whitfogel knew, that Lattim uh, knew Lattimore in college. And the two had worked on a paper together. And Whitfogel essentially accused Lattimore of, and I shit you not, oh, no. smiling like a communist. <laughs> That's right. Ha! <laughs> Uh, so the, the witness against Lattimore, the main witness against Lattimore, the star witness, accused him of smiling like a communist. What does that mean? How do communists smile? Uh, without teeth? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, without teeth and in Russian, maybe? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. This is ridiculous. But I, so this tidings committee, this, this bullshit wow. trial, goes on for like 66 days. <laughs> And the final report is basically that the whole thing is a fraud and a hoax. And the tidings report itself reads that the ultimate result of the whole thing was to, quote, confuse and divide the American people to a degree beyond the hopes of the communists themselves. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, shit, tail gunner Joe. Literally did the job of the communists yourself. Maybe you're the problem, eh? Oh. Uh, anyway, McCarthy doesn't stop shit. He oh, <laughs> keeps going with this communist fear-mongering and even begins investigating homosexual working in foreign oh, policy yeah there it is he actually considered these people to be easy blackmail victims should the soviets choose to do so or at least that was the story for covering up his homophobia mm -hmm. but we don't know we don't know that's just speculation sure anyway he's quoted as saying on the matter quote in congress uh, there was little doubt that homosexuals did not belong in sensitive government positions I don't okay. Yep, there We're you not go. gonna even right <laughs> in the dive face. into that. Right in the face. <laughs> uh, and this is where the term McCarthyism enters the scene. Mm. A cartoonist used the term to describe baseless defamation and mudslinging mm. on the part of McCarthy. But McCarthy actually adopted the word and said, McCarthyism is Americanism with its sleeves rolled. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, that's a quote, everybody. Oh, uh, anyone who disagreed with him, he labeled a communist or a communist sympathizer. Yeah, really easy way to write someone off who disagrees with you. Yeah. Don't like what they think about you? They're communists! Sounds rather familiar today, don't you think? Uh, Just replace yeah. communist with Nazi or whatever. Oh, uh, I don't know what the kids hate these days. Everything. <laughs> Anyway, so there's this reporter named Drew Pearson who starts writing about McCarthy and how shitty he is. So, guess what? McCarthy claims that Pearson is a communist. Mm. Wow! <laughs> Did not see that one yeah. coming. Uh, surprising tactics there. Um, also, McCarthy and Pearson ended up being at the same club together in D.C. Uh, for one night or something like that. Uh, and McCarthy apparently attacked him <laughs> by grabbing his neck and kicking him right in the balls. Oh, God. Uh, and so Pearson sued, of course. Uh, but McCarthy claimed he had only slapped Pearson. <laughs> Not in the balls, right across oh, okay. the face. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't assault this guy. I just assaulted this guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he called him a communist tool in a speech the next day. <laughs> I gotta use that. Yeah. So <laughs> then, uh, then uh, McCarthy uh, claimed that President Truman was a communist. What? Yeah, and then Truman then referred to McCarthy as the best uh, asset that the... <laughs> I wrote best ass. <laughs> did. Oh, God. Uh, so he wrote that... Uh, no script, everybody. Nope. Uh, he wrote that uh, Truman said that McCarthy was the best asset that the Kremlin had. Wow. And he said that McCarthy was essentially sabotaging foreign policy with Russia, and he uh, literally compared it to shooting American soldiers in the back. Wow. <laughs> which is also fairly American to say. <laughs> True. Uh, MacArthur then attacked... Uh, George Catlin Marshall, 
who literally won the Nobel Peace Prize for coming up with the Marshall Plan. Oh my god. Which, if you don't know, was a blueprint for rebuilding Europe after World War II. Huh. McCarthy claimed that Marshall, in his capacity as a, uh, a person who was <laughs> sort of involved with Chinese policy, uh, he basically said that he was directly responsible for the loss of China to communism. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> McCarthy said that Marshall was literally guilty of treason and said that Marshall had invented, quote, a conspiracy so immense and infamous so, or I'm sorry, an infamy so black as to dwarf any previous venture in the history of man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. So, uh, basically, he's Alex Jones. <laughs> but also with power. Yeah. Uh, okay, so McCarthy does a whole bunch more shit, basically accusing nearly everyone in the government, or in every, I'm sorry, everyone, every government department, Jesus, of being filled with communists. Of course. Uh, and then he made friends with the Kennedys, okay. which worked out for them because it got the American public used to the idea of a Catholic holding office. Oh. Okay. Because huh. McCarthy was a Catholic. Oh, was he? Uh, yes. And then McCarthy uh, started to come under attack. He's called out for his bullshit again and again at his hearings. And finally, this TV program called See It Now runs a story critical of McCarthy. Oh my god. I can't speak. <laughs> Sorry. Too much coffee. <laughs> um, this Anyway, so he basically, uh, the story said that uh, basically the uh, accusations are not facts, and that merely accusing someone of something, no matter how horrifying, says nothing at all without proof. Hmm. Which sounds logical. Sounds logical. Uh, sounds like a message we need today. Yeah. Um, oh, but anyway, so this, uh, you know, McCarthy then appeared on the program at a later time to defend himself, but this sort of backfired, mm. and his popularity started dropping. Finally. Eventually, he was censured, which just essentially means that uh, he was publicly condemned for being an ass. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, so people started avoiding him, and even his friends wouldn't stand up for him. You know, he goes to the lunchroom and with his tray, and he looks over at the Republicans, and they all turn away. <laughs> yep. He looks over at the Democrats, and they all turn away. And he goes Just and sits alone, in the corner. Opens his milk carton. Mm -hmm. Then Donald Trump comes and sits next to him. <laughs> <laughs> Way to take oh, sides. Oh, God. Okay, so... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so they just started avoiding him, and one guy named William Jenner, the Indiana senator, at, or at the time, the this, this states, not state senator, the congressional senator, whatever, I don't know fucking politics. Right? No. Anyway, so he said that McCarthy was like the kid that came to the party and peed in the lemonade. <laughs> yep, well said, Jenner. <laughs> wow, I love Jenner. Yeah, it's such a great quote. It's so great to see people calling people out on their bullshit yeah. like this. Anyway, so the press started ignoring McCarthy's insane claims about communists hiding everywhere. Um, when they used to hang on every fear-mongering word, they now avoided it like the plague. Hmm. Apparently, the censure was enough to knock McCarthy's legs out from under him. The barking watchdog of America was shown to be completely mad. Uh, and with that, um, I think we're going to quit with McCarthy for a while and come back for his end in death. I hope he gets sent to the gulags. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, speaking of gulags, yes. how about Pope John XII's mm, adult life? Good segue. Okay. So, okay, uh, we last left him, and he was becoming the Pope. At 18. Yes. So Too young. <laughs> well, it might have been 18. It might have been at age 25. Again, we don't know who was... Still too young. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I don't want to be Pope. <laughs> no. He does want to be Pope, though. Oh, he does. And he started his papal rule by doing what Christ himself would have wanted. Oh, perfect. Attacking a couple of Lombard towns. What? <laughs> mm, yes. Oh, no. But who were the Lombards? Uh, the Lombards were a Germanic people who had settled in northern Italy a couple of hundreds of years earlier. Okay. For those of you who don't know about the fall of Western Roman Empire, it is time for one of James's super cool history lessons. Go! So, Constantine likes Christians, so he stops killing and spits... I'm going to start that yep, over again. you got to start that over again. <laughs> 
So Constantine likes Christians, so he stops the killing and splits the empire because it's ruling his heart. Eastern yes. half is ruled in Constantinople, Western is ruled from Rome and then Ravenna. Uh oh, it's the 400s and here comes the Huns. Evil oh, centaurs yeah. with bows and the scourge of God. Oh. Germans are naturally terrified of horses and so they start running in the opposite direction, which is the Roman Empire. Oh. Roman soldiers can't fight of the baddies because most aren't even Romans themselves. Oh. So the Germans come in, kill a bunch of people, sack a bunch of cities, and then start living in the Roman lands. And that's the Lombards. And some of these people were the Lombards. Oh, okay. Yes. John doesn't like that the Lombards have been slowly eating up papal territory, which is a thing, by the way. What, do they just, like, eat the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Eat your dirt! (laughs) That's the Lombard way. (laughs) Uh, So, John... Lombard. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Uh, So what does he do? He rallies the army and invades the Lombard land. Oh, no, not Lombard land. And he personally leads the attack with armor and sword and stuff, which is a big no-no for the Pope. Yeah, that doesn't seem very Popish, does it? No. No. Uh, So the Lombards see this papal army approaching their lands, and they ask the dudes down in Sicily for help. Okay. The Sicilians say yes, so John retreats back to Rome in order to avoid a two-front war. Well, he's not a master tactician, but at least he knew when to retreat. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Back in Rome, John was actually having a really hard time controlling the nobles of the city, which is apparently what the Pope was supposed to do? What? (laughs) They're supposed to control the nobles of the city? At this point, the Papal States is kind of a government. Oh, okay. Uh, At the same time, there's this guy named Berengar II, who is claiming to be king of Italy, and so he invades the Papal land. John is scared that the nobles of the city will ally with Berengar, so he does what we should all do when our life is at its wit's end. Uh, chocolate, alcohol, and nicotine. Yes, and ask the Germans for help. Oh, okay. (laughs) So Otto I, who is king of Germany, agrees to help Pope John and proceeds to march an army into Italy and scares Berengar away. Now I gotta wonder, what was Otto's motivation for helping this pope? Probably to just look good for the Pope, right? Yes. Okay. And we'll get to what Otto gets in return. Oh, okay. In a few sentences. Okay. Yes. So then Otto meets with John and swears that he will do everything to protect the Pope and the Papal lands. In return, John crowned Otto as Roman Emperor. Whoa. And the two form a classic alliance of church and state. My favorite! (laughs) Yep. Uh, now I'm going to pause with the politics for a moment and talk about Pope John's personal life and papal actions. Ah, that's always more interesting anyway. I've broken it all down. Okay. So let's start with what good things the Pope did. Okay. Number one, he wrote to the papal legate in Germany and told the guy to basically keep up the good work and to continue sending updates to Rome. Okay. Right? Kind of what you're supposed to do as Pope. Yep. Uh, number two. John also wrote to Henry, the Archbishop of Trier, and told the guy to live a good life. Ah, I love Henry. Yeah. Uh, But he told him to live a good life. Which is a bit hypocritical. (laughs) We'll get to that. But I'll let it slide. Encouraging others to live a good life is a good thing to do as Pope, That seems like a weird thing to kind of go out of your way to do. I'm going to write a letter to this guy. (laughs) Live a good life. Isn't that like living up for the both of us? Ah. Isn't that what the whole New Testament is? A bunch of letters telling us to live a good life. (gasps) You've cracked the case, James. (laughs) Anyway, uh, number three, he worked with King Otto to build up the church structure in Germany and excommunicated a guy named Hugh. Uh, so he, uh, they excommunicated Hugh. Excommunicated Hugh. So why? I, I don't remember why. (laughs) Because <laughs> he was a little bitch, <laughs> basically. Uh, okay. So, but that's about it. That's about all the things John did that were good. That, that was like less good and more like I don't know job decent. description. <laughs> job yeah. description. Yeah, like decent. Always a pope. He said nice things. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, okay. Now onto the list of things that popes generally should not do. And these are things that he John did. the 12th did. Oh, okay. yes. So number one, we kind of already talked about this, but dressing in armor and leading an army to attack cities mm. is not exactly very Christ-like. Mm-mm. So Johnny loses some points nope, for that. Nope, nope. You're supposed to use the Pope Mobile and just roll over top of them. <laughs> they can replace the wheels on the thing with treads, and then the yes. Pope gets a giant gun, mm. like a tank gun. <laughs> <laughs> and a megaphone on the top Bibles. so he can scream out psalms while blasting <laughs> cities. Uh, it's true. Well, it's true. History. Read, everybody. Read more. <laughs> so, uh, number two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, during John's reign as Pope, the Vatican Palace was often described as a brothel oh. because little Johnny liked to use his little Johnny oh. and brought town towns of women? Towns, towns of women? <laughs> Tons of women to the Where palace. Where are these towns of women? <laughs> I must go. I'm, I'm due for a vacation. It's the Vatican City. <laughs> Whoa! Vatican City, it's got towns of women. Uh, so, number three. Uh, some of the more notable women he slept with included the widow of a prominent Roman citizen, Ugh. his dead father's own concubine, Ew. and oh. his own niece. Oh, oh, John. Yeah. God damn it, John. Uh, moving on, number four. Jesus. Many claimed that John elected certain church officials not because they were a good choice, but because he had been bribed to do so. Hmm. This led him to electing a 10-year-old to be a bishop, uh, and in another instance, obtaining a church... Ob- or obtain- ordaining a church deacon in a horse stable. That seems like a weird place to ordain a deacon. It does. I wonder how that happened. Like, John was like, Bring me five horses, I have to take my towns of women home. <laughs> and this guy's like, You are blessed, my lord, or something like that. And then he, You should be a deacon. You're a deacon. Uh, I can't read. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Number five. He loved to go hunting and hawking and Mm -hmm. also gambling. Uh Oh, which were all seen as secular acts. Well, they are. Oh, uh, and to make matters worse, when he gambled, he apparently often prayed to the Roman Scott, the Roman gods Jupiter and Venus. Ah. Which is not a great thing to do when you're the freaking Pope. I mean, <laughs> unless you're the Pope of Jupiter and Venus. <laughs> oh, God. Which he is not. He is the Pope no. of Jesus Christ's church, and that's super not cool. It is the 900s. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't get to the moon for another 50 years. <laughs> Okay. History, folks. All right. Number, <laughs> Number six. six. He would often not take communion with his own congregations and would rarely make the sign of the cross when expe- expected to do so. Oh. Again, not very popey. That's not even very Catholic. No. Uh, and number seven, there were claims that he drank wine and toasted the devil. Ah. Which may just be propaganda, but I put it in here because I like the imagery. Well, I mean, who doesn't like a little wine and some toasted devil? Mm, true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and finally, number eight, he often tortured people who called him out by blinding and castrating them. Ah, uh, now I see why he's he was still in power after all this shit. Yes. Yep. Uh, so he's not a very good pope. Okay. <laughs> now let's return to the political scene to see what happens next. If you'll remember, King Otto I of Germany had just come to Rome with an army, saved John from that guy named Berengar who claimed to be the king of Italy, and mm. then formed a sacred alliance with the papacy. Uh, what could go wrong, right? Uh, right. Well, John pretty much immediately fucked up everything. Great. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Otto and his army leave to deal with Berengar. But before leaving Otto... Uh, b- before leaving... Comma. (laughs) Otto encouraged John to give up his life of adultery and vanity and to actually, you know, 
Be a good pope. Okay, so we've got this German king. Yes. Who's begging the pope to be more popey. Yes. Okay. If you know you've sunk to a bad level when the German leader is telling you you're a terrible person. Hey, dude. <laughs> hey, dude. Lay off the women for a little while. You know, you're the pope. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, he just uh, preferred to lay on the women. Oh <laughs> <laughs> but basically, this pissed John off. Of course he it did. did not like being told what to do. So Otto and the Germans left and crushed Berengar. Meanwhile, Pope John was worried that Otto was too strong and was still mad at him for telling him how to live his life. Ah. So John proceeded to ally with the Magyars and the Byzantines. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. but the Magyars were a nomadic pagan people who exactly. pillaged most of Europe? Yes. <laughs> and had only recently become Christian. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah, the Magyars are kind of the... Uh, I should say the... The Hungarians are kind of the descendants of the Magyars. Okay. Um, which is interesting. Hmm. But at this point in time, they were not well liked by Europeans. Okay. And the Byzantines, of course, were Orthodox Christians and not Catholics. Ah. So John, the Catholic Pope, has now <laughs> allied with the Orthodox Byzantines oh. and the very recent pagan Magyars in order to defeat Otto, who had literally just saved Rome and formed a sacred alliance with the papacy. Ah. Uh... Um, it's I, I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, he's trying to reunify the church. Uh, that's actually, yeah, I think that's what he said. Oh god, uh, we'll get to that. So Otto captures some of some of John's envoys who were traveling to the Magyars and the Byzantines, and basically feels totally betrayed by the Pope. Oh uh, yeah. John reassures Otto that he didn't really mean anything by it and was only trying to open up friendly relations with these people. That seems weird, you know, when you're forming a military alliance. Oh, we're just you know friendly relations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then. Uh, it gets worse. John tries to ally with this guy named Adelbert, who just happens to be the son of Berengar. Oh, remember the guy who claimed he was king of Italy and invaded John's land until Otto saved him? Uh, you know, what? I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say that John was not a great diplomat. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so when Otto heard about this, he realized that John had completely gone back on the sacred vow that the two had literally made standing over St. Peter's ashes. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a curse in the making. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Oh, man. Uh, so Otto decides that he needs to take over Rome, remove John from the papal throne, and, I don't know, actually put somebody on the papal seat who's not a complete scumbag. Like Otto! Oh, well, you can't be king and pape. Pape? Pape? Pope. Oh, God. <laughs> pope. <laughs> uh, so Otto turns his army to march on Rome. All right. Now, Pope John, although he was kind of... What the fuck? He was kind writing? of also. He did not. Was also did wow. what things? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. He did care about the people within his city. This is Pope John, right? Yes. Okay. So he did care about the people in the papal states. Yes. Okay. Uh, he he did. So when the Germans arrived, John marched out and peacefully surrendered the city because he didn't want a great slaughter. Oh wait. What? Shit. Oh. No. Wrong story. That's oh. actually all wrong. Oh, shit. No, John decided that he was going to defend Rome to the last man. Shit. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. So he fortifies the city, arms the troops, and waits for the Germans. Mm -hmm. Otto and the Germans arrive and immediately begin the siege. Now, much of the city hated the Pope. No surprise. Yep. And so some of them helped the Germans and gave them entrance to the city. Okay. As the Germans were flooding into the city, John, who is the Pope, remember, yes, gets in armor, grabs a sword, <laughs> jumps on a God. horse, rallies his troops, and drives the Germans all the way back what? to the Tiber River. Truly what Christ would describe as a peacemaker. What? What? He actually... It worked? Well, it, it worked, but... 
that was just one battle in the siege. Oh, okay, uh, okay. The German strength was too much, and John knew that Rome would eventually fall. So he and his closest followers packed up, gathered up a bunch of the Vatican wealth, and abandoned their own city. Wow. And this is where we will leave the story of Pope John XII for now. But what is a pope without his city? <laughs> just a piece of asparagus in the wasteland. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's oh my god. It's biblical. Okay. <laughs> That's right. I remember that from the Bible verse uh John three sixteen. I thought it was in Song of Solomon. Oh it's maybe got a lot both. of fruit and vegetables in it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I need to take a break. Yeah, I need a break. Let's All right. uh, let's let oh let's just oh god, just oh, shut it off. And we are back to we talk about dead people. And when we left off, we were talking about Pope John the Twelfth and how bad he was at being Pope. He was and, pretty bad. Yeah, he was pretty bad. And now that we're back to Joseph McCarthy, we're going to talk about how this man ended his life. Now, Joe had always been a drinker, mm. a heavy one at that, mm. but he got worse and worse. Mm. Uh, and near the end, he was drinking whiskey all day long. Wow. Yeah. On his best days, he switched to beer all day long, mm. uh, but eventually it killed him and he was buried in Appleton, Wisconsin. Shout out to Appleton. <laughs> anyway, so his seat in the Senate was won by a guy who described McCarthy as a, quote, disgrace to Wisconsin, to the Senate, and to America. And this new guy served for 32 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are arguments for McCarthy being vindicated, though, and we might as well look at some of them. A lot of revisionist historians basically claim that while McCarthy was brash and kind of stupid about how he went about dealing with communists and the American government, they also claim that he might not have been wrong. Hmm. I'd like to talk about the idea that maybe McCarthy was right about the size of Soviet espionage in the United States. Uh, but there's actually not much evidence for this, hmm. and honestly, even if it was, even if there was a Soviet conspiracy throughout the U.S. government, I don't see a blowhard like, like McCarthy being able to do anything about it except make anyone who considers the idea of a communist conspiracy look like a nut job. Yeah. yeah. The, like, his, throughout his whole life, he doesn't have any evidence for the claims he makes. No! It's, it's mudslinging. It's That's just all like, it is. Ah, you're a communist! Yeah. I don't even know if he knows what a communist is. Probably not. No. <laughs> he just... probably thought he fought them in World War II. <laughs> on the Solomon Islands. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's probably really convinced of that, though. Yeah. So, uh, what do we say uh, we move over to Pope John XII's end and death? Yes. So, John had just abandoned the city of Rome to Otto and the Germans. After taking Rome, Otto demanded that John attend a royal council meeting in order to defend himself against many charges of him just being an awful pope. Well, that sounds fair. Yeah. I mean, he's about to get killed in the wilderness, so... Uh, yeah, uh, John responded by saying that he would excommunicate anybody who tried to depose him as pope. That is... Okay. Then he went off hunting in southern Italy. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Otto then elected Pope Leo VIII as the new pope, but surprisingly, John actually had some support in Rome. I can believe that, actually. Uh, Not I because so. of anything he's done, but just because he was the official pope. Yeah. And installing another one seems like it wouldn't be well-supported. No. A lot of the important Roman families did not like how much power Otto had, so they rebelled against him and demanded that John return as the rightful pope. Yep. I know what you're saying. Like I said. Yep. Mm -hmm. Otto responded by sending in the army and a bunch of people were killed. Okay, Otto. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Thinking that he had successfully solved this problem, Otto left Pope Leo VIII in charge and left to return back to Germany. But John XII was not done yet. Oh! In the year 964, John returned to Rome with a large host of friends and supporters, kicked Leo VIII off the papal throne, mutilated and tortured a bunch of the Germans who uh, had stayed behind, and declared himself as ruler of Rome and still the true pope. Oh, Jesus. Yes. 
Uh, but before Otto could do anything to attempt to fix the situation, Pope John the Twelfth died on May Fourteenth, nine sixty-four. Wow! He died from a stroke while having sex with a married woman outside of Rome. Oh, <laughs> that's oh. all popes should do. Oh my God! Yeah, that would be terrifying. You're like, oh yeah, I'm fucking the Pope, and then he just dies on you, and you're like, well, I kind of expected that. He is the Pope. Yeah, <laughs> struck down oh, by God. God. Yeah. Uh, he was eventually succeeded by Pope Leo VIII, who Otto had put into power. Makes sense. Pope John XII is remembered for being one of the worst popes, and even Catholics admit that he was an absolute disgrace. Well, how couldn't they? I know. Oh, man. Uh, this guy named Horace Mann, who is a Catholic apologist, said that said about John, quote, There cannot be a doubt that John XII was anything but what a pope, the chief pastor of Christendom, should have been. Yup. And I think that's a pretty good summary. I agree. <laughs> he could have also shortened it. Pope John XII was a fake. He was a fraud. And he peed in all the lemonade. That's right. He peed in the lemonade. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, mm, well. That about wraps it up. Mm-hmm. God. I need a smoke. I need to smoke a communist. Well, I, I think we actually have some upstairs. Fantastic! Let's go! <sighs> well, James, what do you have planned for the rest of the day? I must become the Pope! And it won't take long. I have my holy water. A whole gallon, actually. Mm, perfect. Just mix that with some Everclear and you're good to go. God. Well, I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today. Feel free to send all your hate mail to wetalkaboutdeadpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. We will read all of it and not along. If you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash wetalkaboutdeadpeople. Even as little as a dollar, as much as it costs to help me and James continue to make this podcast without going broke, helps tremendously. Our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson by Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his phenomenal work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of communism and popery play you out. <laughs> <laughs>